You just gotta know that no matter what anyone else thinks about your capability or your future, you're the only one that can make happen whatever you want to happen. That's Amy Muller. When she was growing up, no one around her thought much of her capability or her future, but she had other plans for herself. Amy and her husband, Josh, have built a great business, and now they are also teaching others how to scale their businesses. Through our own experience, we've discovered a process that we call Clients for Life, which walks people through, like, what are the systems that you need to have in place to keep things personal with your clients, but do that at scale when you've got hundreds or even thousands or tens of thousands of people to serve. Through their company, Vast Action, Josh and Amy help salespeople grow their businesses, and here they offer actionable concepts to help you as well. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everyone. I'm excited to be here today with Amy and Josh Muller, both of whom started out as Cutco sales reps in their younger days. Amy, way back in 1995. Josh started in 2001. And they met through the Cutco business, uh, which is very exciting. Josh has gone on to become one of the most legendary sales reps in Cutco history. He has produced over $5.6 million in Cutco sales, won three national championships with the company, and been somebody who has broken through barriers and set the pace for Cutco reps all across the nation. Amy also advanced up the ranks in Cutco as a successful sales rep and as a manager. And she has written a great book called Destination Awesome and done some professional speaking as well. And together, they are now running a company called Vast Action. And Vast Action helps entrepreneurs, small business owners, and direct salespeople with their systems, with their sales, and with their scale, with a focus on creating lifelong loyalty and repeat business. And they'll be telling us a little bit about that, as well as all of their adventures in business and in life. Josh and Amy, thanks very much for being on. I appreciate it. Excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Dan. It's a pleasure. Yeah, outstanding. Well, I think it's great for us to start by hearing some of your, both of your personal stories. And Amy, maybe you can go first on this. I've read a little bit about your personal story in your book, and I think it's extremely fascinating and would just love to hear a little bit about your background. Great. Yeah, I'm happy to share. So my parents split when I was very young. So my mom left when I was two. 
So I was actually raised by my dad, a single dad, my older brother and I. And um, my dad actually only went to the eighth grade in school. He never even went to high school. And so the best paying job he could really find to support the two of us was as a cross-country truck driver. And so he did that. He's still doing that, actually. So he's been doing that for four decades. And um, But what, what that meant for us really was that it kept him away from home most of the time because he would be gone for a week or two at a time and then home for a day or two and then gone again. So my childhood was mainly a lot of just random babysitters and different things, but mostly a lot of neglect, unfortunately. Um, I suffered some abuse as a small child. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. So uh, when mom left, we moved into a trailer park. And not that all trailer parks are bad, actually. There's some out there that are beautiful and quaint and well-kept and all that. But ours was more of the rundown type. And so not the kind you move into because it's your first choice, usually the type you move into when it's your last choice. And so, you know, we grew up in pretty poor living conditions. We, you know, suffered poverty and all that. So really, I spent a lot of time alone as a child and, um, and figuring things out on my own. And, uh, and I, I suppose for me, school was always my safe place. You know, that's where I had good role models. That's where I had, um, you know, food and learning. And because even if you take like aunts and uncles and cousins outside of my dad, the most common things in my family across the board were, you know, high school dropouts and teenage pregnancies and drug and alcohol abuse and um, trailer parks and poverty and a lot of cases, jail time. So uh, my brother, in fact, who was the closest person that I had in my life, he was two years older than me. He took everything really hard when my, when all that came up and uh, he was in some pretty major trouble by the time he was 11 or 12, severely addicted to some pretty harsh drugs and ended up in juvenile detention and then jail and then prison. So I didn't even really have him around for me either. Uh, not that that was his job. So, But anyway, so I really focused on school. Like I just believed my teachers when they said, your way out of this is education. And so I was always just a really good student and showed up to school no matter what was going on. And uh, and it really made a difference in my life. That's awesome. Amy, it's really amazing to think about how you grew up in you know what most would consider to be an extremely adverse circumstance, but you took control of your future by focusing on the one thing that was in your control, which was your education and being able to advance yourself. And it put you in a position years later to be in college and to have the opportunity to end up coming across Vector. Tell us about that. Tell us about 1995 and where were you at? And how'd you run across Vector? Yes, you are correct. So yeah, up to that point. So since we never really had money, right? I started working at age 14. So I was a waitress and in fast food mine, you know, since I was 14 years old all the time during school, summers, everything, saving up money for college and stuff. And, um, so when it when it came time, like my first year of college, I was still in fast food, but it came apparent really quickly that those types of jobs weren't going to pay for school. I was on my own paying for school. I was the first one to go to college. So um, so I had to find something different. So I actually was just looking through the student newspaper on campus for different types of jobs. And I came across the Cutco ad because I didn't know anything about Cutco at the time. I had never heard of it before. But after going through an interview and seeing everything cut, I was just blown away. Like I never had sales experience really. I just remember thinking this stuff is so amazing. People for sure would buy it. Like if I had the money, I would buy it when I guess I did because I bought my sample kit back then. But, um, but yeah, so I started what's funny is that I was such a mess. And like, you don't know, I, the person I am now is so different back then, you know, having gone through all that, especially the abuse and stuff, I was really 
like I didn't have any confidence or communication skills or social skills, or I didn't know anything about professionalism. I didn't know anything about teamwork or leadership. I didn't know anything. The only thing I knew was how to work hard and be a good student. And so I uh, am surprised they even accepted me into the Cutco program. I mean, I was the last person in my interview to actually be taken back to talk to a manager. So they were probably just like, oh, I don't know about this one, but you know, they gave me the shot. So that was exciting. So school newspaper ad, you know, got to be grateful for that. And I'm really, really grateful for my Cutco experience because it did absolutely change my life. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's great to hear that story. Josh, how about a little bit about uh, your background? Yeah. Um, it's funny. Amy and I really come from opposite places, I think. And um, I grew up in a normal middle-class family. Uh, my parents have been married for almost 60 years now. My dad's a police officer. My mom's a nurse. And I'm the middle boy of five boys. Um, and so uh, I, uh, our family's always been really close and, and just really had a great upbringing. Now that's to say that uh, I was a, an okay student, like decent. I got decent grades. I finished you know middle of my class, stuff like that. But I was also a rebel. So um, I used the fact that I did well in school, that, you know, that I was in sports, like I was a competitive skier. I was... Um, I did uh, competitive informative speaking in school and stuff like that. And I got decent grades. And so I used that as a reason to just, you know, buck the rules and the system and do everything I could, which, you know, got me involved in partying at a young age, um, got me involved in drugs, alcohol, stuff like that. And, uh, by the time I graduated high school, I'd been in jail multiple times. Uh, by the time I got started with Cutco, I was on probation and uh, was really in need of money. And so that was my big motivator when I got started. And the rest is history, I guess. Wow, the differences in your stories are striking. It's just so interesting to think about how you know one person could start out in really adverse circumstances and lift herself up. Somebody else could have you know most of the things going for us that we would want to have and still have some struggles like many of us have had. But you have both come to a great place now, which is really cool. So you started with Cutco in 2001, Josh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I had spent a summer. Oh, like I'd been used to, you know, working sixty hours a week, eighty hours a week in restaurants around school, and so basically I lived a life of going to college and class, and then going to work, and you know, just, that was my life. And so um, I had gone away for a summer to work on a sailboat, which was really fun. And when I came back, I had a friend who had sold Cutco for the summer, and so. Um, he had been, you know, uh, asking me to check this opportunity out. And I thought he was talking about something completely different that wasn't legal. And come to find out he was actually talking about selling knives. And I was just really, I was at a point where I'd been interviewing multiple different places. Um, and I just wasn't finding a job. And I was kind of at that moment where, you know, most jobs that you get, you don't get your first paycheck for a few weeks after you start. And so I was at that kind of moment where I had a couple weeks left. Or if I didn't find a job in the next couple of days that could get me a paycheck in the next week or two, I wasn't going to be able to make my rent. And that was just going to tip over multiple dominoes that would have a really negative impact. And I'm on the front porch talking to him. And you know, I spent the whole summer telling him I didn't want to sell knives. And you know, he could tell I was frustrated, asked what was going on. I said that you know, I just was, was having a hard time finding a job. And he said, well, classic you know, approach of like, Hey man, listen, I can get you an interview. I can't guarantee you a job, but you might as well check it out. And I was just like, I really need to make money. Like, can you really make money selling knives? He pulled, he just happened to have a pay stub in his back pocket from SC2 Push. He pulled it out. It showed me that he made $1,200 uh, selling knives. And, and I was just like, so what do they do? Pay you once a month or you know, every couple of weeks or what? He's like, no, I get paid every week. And I was like, you made $1,200 selling knives in one week. 
And uh, he's like, yeah, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go check it out. So uh, <laughs> I'm not guaranteeing you anything, you know? So, and, and, uh, and that's actually where I met Amy. Amy ran my interview. She ran my training and uh, she was my original manager um, back then. Oh, outstanding. Wow. So you were in Indiana. This is in Indiana. Is that correct? Kalamazoo, Michigan, actually. Kalamazoo, Michigan. You grew up in Indiana, Amy, and then you went to Michigan. Is that right? Well, yeah. So I grew up in Indiana and started in a, in a Cutco office there because that's where I was in college. But I was actually part of the Buckeye division then, which is interesting, right? The Ohio division. And then when I uh, opened a district office, I was in Kalamazoo, which was actually part of the Indiana division. So it's a little weird the way the lines were, but we were part of Indiana, even though we were in Michigan. Okay, great, great. And so that's how your stories came together. Mm-hmm. But initially, we were just manager and rep. Josh was still that you know young person who was still not sure of his direction and was still growing. You know, he was he was rough around the edges for sure, and not real professional. I mean, my assistants asked me to fire him within the first couple of weeks, actually. <laughs> and, but he was always a really hard worker, and so I just wanted to help him rather than fire him. And so, uh, you know, we had to have a standards talk, but. You know, after what happened was we were just manager and rep, normal, you know, PDI, everything else. But um, he worked really hard and he wanted to learn and he he did learn quickly. And, you know, within six months, he was a, like a new person. And so that's when we became friends and started spending time. He would spend time with me and the key staff and the assistants. And so we really didn't start even like noticing we liked each other until at least, you know, six months in. But uh, we're both very different people because of Cutco's influence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. So Josh, you have gone on to become literally one of the all-time top Cutco sales reps in history. What have been some of the keys to your advancement in sales and having produced millions of dollars in personal sales? Yeah. So, well, I think in the beginning, it was really having a manager that I think believed in me more than I believed in myself and was always willing to carve out time um, for me to talk with her. And, and anybody that knows me well knows that I can be long-winded. Kind of a running joke in our office that uh, in best action that you know when Josh shares during a team meeting it can uh, it can be a little long story. So that said, I'll be short here. But really, the big thing was that you know anytime I had a question, anytime that that I uh, you know needed to talk or you know share what was going on with an appointment and try try to learn what I could do better moving forward, Amy was always available for me, and so she was never judgmental. She was always supportive, and she was always. Willing to, uh, if she didn't have the answer, point me in the direction where I could find the answer. And, uh, and also was always willing to share with me her own personal experiences and just the things that I could be doing to tweak and, and just do things better and better. Um, I think that you know a great thing in the beginning was learning to trust the program. Um, I was smart enough to just do what I was told to do. And I think that really helped me build the foundation that I needed in place. But then after that, it was about... Just, I was always open, and I still am open to you know growing and learning. Like today, even eight, almost twenty years later in the business, I'm still interviewing top performers on a regular basis. Um, it's an average of every other week. I'm on the phone for an hour talking to somebody about what they're doing to be successful. I'm always learning from people people that I coach, and just having that growth mindset, I think, has really made a difference. So, for example, I walked up to my first member, my, my first mentor when I first hit my FSM promotion. And I was like, hey, I, I hit FSM. I'm finally at that top level. And he was like, congratulations. When are you going to double it? And I remember in that moment feeling like I was so proud of myself and feeling totally crushed by the person I looked up to. But then you know, soon after that, being able to reflect back on that and, and realize that that was a, a short conversation that sparked motivation to keep going and get to that next level. Like That was the moment where I learned the importance of having a next level focus. 
Um, I remember talking to one of my, you know, an FSM, Amy's first FSM that she, de- that she developed, who was in our office named Jamar Cobb Denard. He's in politics in Indiana now. Um, but uh, Jamar actually, uh, you know, uh, I asked him like, hey, how do you stay motivated? Which is a big question that I get asked a lot nowadays. And I remember Jamar was the first person to introduce me to the idea. He just responded with a question. Hey, have you thought about where you want to be in five or 10 years? Have you made a five or 10 year plan yet? And I was like, no, like, how do you do that? And he's like, you sit down and you ask some questions and you kind of think about where you want to be. And I remember that, like, and sitting down and going through that exercise on my own, that being a moment where I learned the importance of creating long-term vision and, and really like using that as leverage to create short-term motivation now. Um, you know, I, I remember almost leaving the business and, uh, you know, whether that was because of mistakes I made, challenges I was facing. Um, you know, I remember there was a time where I'd, I'd broken some rules unintentionally and, uh, and I got called out nationally for that and removed from a number of competitions. And I spent a day crying into my pillow like a little baby and, you know, thinking like, I, it's probably time for me to move on. But then realizing that the thing I, that what I needed to be was actually grateful for the fact that you know, people at a national level cared about me enough to hold me accountable to a higher standard and to being the best version of myself. And that if anything, I needed to be grateful for that and that I needed to lean into that challenge as, as much as it hurt me in the moment. I needed to lean into that and prove what I was really capable of despite um, the fact that, you know, I had gotten eliminated from some competitions and, and lost some prizes and stuff like that. And that, you know, created some motivation. Um, and also just, you know, I remember having a, a, a conversation with one of my region managers, Earl Kelly at the time. And, um, you know, just uh, Earl and I were trying to figure out how to create the spark in the, in the Southwest region, because back then our number one rep for the year was at $80,000 in sales, while there were people in the Midwest and the Western and multiple other regions that were doing 200,000 or more in a year. And, uh, and just, you know, uh, Earl had spoken with, I, I can't remember if it was you or if it was someone else in the Western region, Dan, but just asked, like, what did it, what was it that created the FSM and CSP culture in the Western region? And he was told that it was having someone who was willing to step out and set an example and break new records and set a new bar and, and really lead through example of sales performance. And I remember Earl being like, we need somebody to do that. Who are we going to have do that? And, and I was just like, well, why not me? You know, and I didn't have any sales experience. I was not good at the job yet. I was, I'm a very, I'm kind of a slow learner. And so, you know, but I was like, I'm willing to go out and do things that have never been done before. I remember being the first person in the region to do a hundred grand in sales. I remember, you know, just always setting my mind on like, how can I push what's currently considered the norm? How can I push outside of that and, and become a person who's not like everybody else? I've always wanted to be the person who is in the 1%. And that if everybody else is doing it, I probably need to do something different. And uh, and then, you know, another big formative part for me, I think, that has led to my success has been being a student of success outside of our business as well. Amy and I have invested, you know, an average of about 20 grand a year for the past 10 years um, into our own personal and professional development, whether that's coaching with online, the world's greatest online marketers, um, you know, going to multiple seminars every year. Uh, we've just... We've always been students of industries outside of us in order to learn best practices and, and figure out ways to bring those best practices into our business um, to set ourselves up for sustainable long-term success. Wow, that's outstanding. That's awesome, Josh. You were clearly a great 
example for the entire Southwest region. I know after having moved down to Texas, uh, I know your journey took you guys down there and uh, you became a great example. And now the Southwest region is leading the way in terms of having the highest level of top end sales leaders in the company. And you were the catalyst for helping create that or certainly one of you know two or three key catalysts for helping to create that down there, which is fantastic. I know you were the first rep to sell $300,000 in you know, residential Cutco sales. And then you were the first rep to sell $500,000 in a year in residential Cutco sales. I appreciate what you said about constantly asking others about best practices and asking others for help, how you spend time on the phone, interviewing people and finding out what's going right. This is something that I've talked to people for many years in my own businesses, the importance of constantly seeking answers. And one of the things that happens when you seek answers is you get a lot of the same answers. You certainly get new stuff, but you get a lot of the same stuff repeated over and over again. And a lot of people think, well, then why do I need to keep reaching out? I just hear the same things. But it's that repetition of good ideas that creates buy-in where people actually implement and actually use the stuff. So I do feel like that's a really important key. And uh, I also love what you said about the fact that it was Amy's belief in you as a rep you know, when you were new, that, you know, was more than your own belief. And I think that's instructive lesson for any managers listening to this, whether it be Cutco managers or managers of people in any other business, is learning to be a good finder when we look at our people. Learning to look for the potential versus looking at, you know, what are the things that are wrong? Because if you look for things that are wrong, you'll always find them. You'll find them in other people. You'll find them in relationships. You'll find them out there in the world on a regular day-to-day basis. But if you look for things that are good, that's what you'll find. So I saw a quote just the other day, which was along the lines of, when it's raining, you look for the rainbows. When it's dark, you look for the stars. And it's so important to train ourselves to be looking for good in everything that we do, in every day and every experience in our lives. We look for the good out there and we look for the good in others. So... Anyway, I just appreciate that you had somebody who was always looking for the good in you. I think that's uh, very instructive. Amy, what were some of your transformational experiences along your journey? And what were some of the lessons you think came out of those? Oh, gosh, so many. Uh, I think probably the most important one for me was trusting people. Because based on how I grew up, I was very untrusting of people. Like if someone ever paid me a compliment, my first thought is like, what are they after? Like, why, why would they say this to me? What do they want exactly kind of thing? And so um, just, and, and, you know, to an extent as a young person, that that untrusting of people probably served me to an extent because it kept me safe in some situations. But as you get older, you know, learning that people actually are, like I never thought people would be willing to help me unless there was something in it for them. And I've obviously since learned that that is not the case. You know, most people are actually very, you know, trustworthy and helpful and all that stuff. So even as a young manager, I remember that I, you know, I wasn't a very good manager initially either. And so I would just reach out to all the top, like every week I would look at reports and I would just like back when we had Vectorcom, I think that's what it was called, right? But I would just reach out to every, like the top five in different categories and be like, Hey, can I get some advice on this? Because I just needed to improve. And some would respond. I mean, I'd reach out to more than I needed because I, not everybody would respond. And some would respond. And that's how I learned week after week after week. I'd always just reach out and ask new questions. And I didn't even know that that was being... Like, I didn't know, to, know that people were noticing that. But I went to a region event where Marty Dimitrovich was still there. 
as the region manager, love Marty. And he recognized me from stage and being like, Amy, who's, you know, always reaching out to learn. I had no idea that he even knew I was doing that. But I guess at that moment where I was like, oh, because I, even though I did it, I still kind of felt like maybe I'm being annoying. I don't know if I should be reaching out, like whatever. And then being recognized for it. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a great thing. Everybody should do that. So just being able to learn from other people and, you know, that they will help you is probably the biggest thing that's served me. There's so many things, by the way, but that one is huge. Yeah. Are there any other transformational experiences you guys want to share? I'd love to hear some more. Yeah. I think the other two biggest ones for me are um, when I was in the Midwest, which is where I was as a district manager. And uh, we, at that time, used to have huge summer conferences. I mean, we had Walter Payton come in and speak. We had Jamie Clark come in and speak. Like, it was amazing. And so um, I remember too that like going to a Cutco conference, which team meetings and division meetings also great. I went to every single thing, but going to the first region event, which is pretty early on in my career as a rep, I remember being blown away because if you, you got to remember that like growing up, I didn't really have good role models in my life and I could look at my family and I, I was smart enough to know that I didn't want what they were doing. I didn't know how to do it differently but I knew I wanted something different, but I didn't have the role models to show me. And when I got to Cutco, that's probably the hugest you know, benefit of Cutco to me was that it opened up this whole world of positive role models. So the first conference I went to was like mind-blowing, right? Like inspirational and great speakers and positive vibes and just everything. And so I was so inspired by it. I think that's part of why I love being a speaker now because it inspired me so much then. But the point really, the underlying lesson is that I really learned the power of always having positive inputs. So whether you're reading books or watching positive YouTube videos or going to seminars or listening to speakers or having a coach or whatever it is, going to the team meeting, uh, you know, PDIing for the updates and the positive news, being on a group meet, a lot of people do that positive news. I think all those constant positive inputs are so transformational to your mindset. If I didn't have those, I don't know where I'd be. So putting yourself in a position to always have those, whatever it is you like best, whether it's reading or watching videos or going to live seminars or whatever, that was also super huge for me. And then the last thing for me as a manager, especially was just the impact of culture. Because, you know, early on as manager, I would hire new people and I'd train them. And then, you know, when they'd struggle or whatever, and they'd leave and it was always so painful. You're like, oh, I'm working so hard and I can't seem to keep it building. I'm always starting over, right? And so I had to really focus on how do I make this a place people want to stay and so just learning, and even now as an employer, because with Cutco, they're all independent contractors, so it's very different. But even as an employer with employees, you think that it would be easier, but it's still not. I mean, it's still culture so huge. And so just making sure that it's an environment people want to be part of, where they feel cared for, they feel thought about, they feel heard, like all that stuff is so, so important. And I think that translates to customers. I think part of why Josh has one of the highest repeat order rates in the company, why we started Vast Action, which by the way, I know we won't get this a lot, but we didn't start Vast Action intending to help reps. Reps kept coming to us and saying, do for me what you do for Josh. And we kept saying, no, like we don't, no, we don't do that. We'll teach you. But they'd always be like, that's great, but I don't want to do it myself. I want you to do it for me. And so we eventually gave in and like started doing it. But I think part of the reason Josh has such a high repeat order rate in Cutco is because he does that same thing with culture with his customers, appreciation, and, you know, kindness and a positive environment and just all that kind of stuff when he's with people, talking to people, the emails he sends to people. I think that stuff's just huge. You know, we're creatures of how we feel and you got to make people feel good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's a great segue into talking about Vast Action. Josh, tell us a little bit about Vast Action. Amy kind of led a little bit into, you know, how this formed. I'd love to hear more about that. And, you know, what is the need that Vast Action meets 
out there in the marketplace that people have? And how do you go about doing that? I'd love to hear a lot more about that. Yeah. So um, I think what we really specialize in is, you know, the, the biggest challenge we find clients face is that, you know, they they either have never had real quality sales training or they don't have a good quality sales uh, support structure in their day-to-day routines and activities as entrepreneurs. I've met so many people out in the world who they have a great product, a great service, a great idea, a great thing that they're doing for their clients, but they've never really been taught how to sell. And so through, you know, our sales mastery formula framework, for example, we teach entrepreneurs and, and, you know, and business owners and salespeople how to take the sales um, process and experience and form it in a way for their product and service that, that with the, that's coming from a perspective of having a purpose of service mindset and creating a best in class sales experience. So that a customer walks away from a sales experience feeling like, wow, that was different. That was memorable. That was something where I feel amazing. Even though I may have spent thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of dollars with that person, even if I wasn't expecting to do that 10, 15, 30 minutes ago before I met that person, I'm walking away having done that and feeling amazing about that decision. So that's ultimately the intention of helping people with their sales process. And then you know, once, once you've learned how to create like a best-in-class sales experience for clients, well, what happens is typically you become motivated to, to do more work and be more successful and your business builds. And as you build a book of business, um, one of two things happens. Either you do an excellent job at handling customer service when it's necessary, at, you know, leveraging your book of business into repeat sales, or you don't. And if you don't, cracks open up, things fall through, and very quickly, you can have a very successful business but on the back end, it's actually very, it's not very successful. And so it becomes kind of this pull between positive and negative. You just described like a lot of the great salespeople in Cutco now, you know, as the business was growing, it's like exactly some of the challenges that they began experiencing, right? As, as people started selling two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars per year more of these challenges cropped up. And I could definitely see where there's a need for what you're describing. So go ahead. And so what we've discovered is... And just through building our own business and through our own challenges over the last 18 years and learning how to serve customers, learning how to communicate with customers, learning how to create loyalty with clients, especially in today's world where things are so competitive. You know, 30 years ago, if I needed a certain thing and there was only one guy in town that sold that thing, like whether I liked that guy or not, I had to buy it from him. And in today's world, I can walk in someplace locally. And if I have a bad experience, I can walk out and go online. And many times as a customer, I'll pay more just for the opportunity not to work with that crappy salesperson. And so in today's world, I really believe that you know we work so hard and we invest so much time and so much money, our two most valuable resources, into earning and into getting every single client. And what most people, what I learned in High Trust Selling from a book by Todd Duncan. And what I learned in that book is like we work so hard to acquire every client. And actually, the easiest client to please and earn trust from and extra sales from is the current clients we already have. And so, you know, we've just been on a mission over the last, you know, almost 20 years to figure out how do you earn lifelong loyalty from those clients. And through our own experience, we've discovered a process that we call clients for life which walks people through like what are the systems that you need to have in place 
to keep things personal with your clients, but do that at scale when you've got hundreds or even thousands or tens of thousands of people to serve? And then how do you communicate with them in a consistent, quality, value-added way so that they feel taken care of, so that they want to pay attention to your communication? They actually want... They look forward to answering the phone you call, or they look forward to reading your emails, or they look forward to getting your text messages versus being annoyed by them, which I think is what most customers experience, right? They're just annoying salespeople or annoying emails or annoying text messages or whatever. So we always want to buck that and teaching people how to create that high attention, how to offer service and show up on following through on that service, providing it in a timely manner so that you deepen loyalty. And then how to use strategic promotions, you know, push through that window of attention and loyalty, keep that window open as much as possible, and then push promotions through that window so that your clients are paying attention and they're deeply loyal so that they then are motivated and inspired to want to take action to support you towards achieving your goals. And so it's basically earning the lifelong loyalty and then converting that lifelong loyalty into consistent repeat sales. That's really, in essence, what we do at Vast Action or the problems that we solve at Vast Action. And we do that through you know, multiple pillars. We have coaching and training programs. We also have you know, online training programs and courses. We have multiple tools and resources. We have a marketing agency that provides multiple do-it-for-you services like email design, text design, you know, scheduling, list creation, execution, all of that. And we even have an admin team to help entrepreneurs who maybe can't afford or don't have the workload to keep someone employed part-time, let alone full-time. We have a group of assistants that we can pool together and provide administrative services to our clients until their business is at that point where they can hire a person full-time as a staff member. So somebody may only have five hours of work to do a week or a month, and we can pool together multiple clients and keep someone employed part-time or full-time and provide the service of you know to our clients of them being able to get things done that maybe they shouldn't be doing themselves or maybe them doing themselves isn't the best investment of their time. And so what we do is free up that time for them by letting them use our administrative services. So you know we do email, text, voice drop, phone call marketing, stuff like that. We have our CRM platform that we custom designed for entrepreneurs that is customizable to be simple and organize their database in a way where they can combine email, calendar, follow-up tasks, and data collection all in one system to make things much more efficient. And then the do-it-for-you marketing services and the administrative team and the coaching and training. Those are kind of the four main pillars of what Vast Action offers to help solve those problems that I talked about. Wow, that's fantastic, Josh. Now, I know that a lot of the top sales reps in Cutco are your clients. What types of other businesses use your service? So we've worked with real estate agents. We've worked with you know some lenders. Um, I you know, we have people mostly direct sales. We've had some photographers. We've had uh, some other event people who send out like who run events and then send out emails to invite people to those events. We've got you know t- people who sell T-shirts. It, it kind of varies for sure. That's mostly the CRM though. We haven't actually worked on the marketing as much with those people yet because we don't have the capacity for that yet. So our capacity is taken up mostly with our Cutco clients when it comes to the marketing agency. But we're get, we're preparing now to expand into that. The thing that Josh didn't mention that I think is important for people to know is that you know growing up, and I said this before, I was always a hard worker because I'd always heard right that hard work leads to success. Like hard work leads to success. And I believe that's true. No one ever taught me though that success leads to more work, which it does. If you're doing it right, 
the more orders you take, the more you have to process the orders, send thank you cards, follow up, all that stuff. And so that's where we said this earlier when you say a lot of people get to that level where they're doing well and then things start falling through the cracks because they don't have the capacity to handle all the back end stuff. And that's uh, part of what he was mentioning as far as us helping or at least training on how to do that and using the system for it too. Amazing. Amazing. Well, it's great to see what you guys have built. Amy, I want to ask you about your book, Destination Awesome. There it is. Of the book. And um, I wanted to say to the audience that I really, really enjoyed this book. It almost caught me off guard in that I didn't know you very well when I first got this book from you. I mean, we had met on a company trip or a couple company trips, you know, years earlier. But this was May of, I guess it was, must have been 2016. Maybe it was yeah, 2015. Um, but it was in Nashville, Tennessee. We were at a conference and uh, we were both speaking at this event. And I got the book from you and I cracked it on the airplane on the way back. And I just, I couldn't stop reading. Like your story was so compelling. And then the ideas and concepts you were sharing were so great. And I just, I really, really liked the book. One thing in here you wrote is if you want to be normal in America, you'll be overweight, spend most of your free time watching TV, live paycheck to paycheck, and worry about how you'll survive when you no longer work. As I've matured, I've come to realize being normal is not a characteristic for which to aspire. And by all means, right, we all want to aspire to be uncommon, right? Mm -hmm. To be special. All the things that you and Josh have been able to build in your life. But, you know, a lot of people feel like, a normal path is the path they want to be on and they want to be like everybody else. And that's not something to aspire to, as you've said here. Are there any insights from the book, one or two insights or ideas that you'd like to share that are things that you can remember promoting and teaching uh, through this book? There's so many, by the way. The thing I love about the book is it's very story heavy. I love stories. And it's not just my stories. I interviewed like 15 other people that went through some pretty serious challenges and there are some really compelling stories in there outside of my own even. And so, um, yeah, definitely pick up a copy if you haven't read it yet. But um, I think the biggest thing is what you said. I, my whole childhood, I just wanted to be normal. Like I did. I just wanted to be like everyone else. I always felt like the outcast. I was the kid sent home from school with lice. And I was the kid that was like invisible. And, you know, I didn't talk to people and I didn't stand out in any way. Like I just always wanted to be normal like everybody else. Um, in fact, there was a year in school where because my family background is so bad, the school put me in an at-risk class. They took me out of regular school and threw me in this classroom for all hours of the day where we really didn't learn very much. And I played chess with my teacher for an entire year until he convinced the school to be back in regular school. It was crazy. So here's what I learned from that, which I think is an important lesson from the book. What I learned, what because they, they looked at me and said, based on her family and her brother and everything else, she's not going anywhere either, right? And that's not what I had planned for myself. So I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew I wanted to get into a new situation. And I really think that no matter what you're struggling with as a person, it could be anything. It doesn't even matter what your background is. You could have the most affluent, awesome family and you're still probably struggling with something. We all have challenges. No matter what it is, you just got to know that no matter what anyone else thinks about your capability or your future, you're the only one that can make happen whatever you want to happen. So, I mean, that book goes through a lot of stuff, how to face your fears and how to have mentors and how your peers affect you. And just, there's so many lessons in that book that apply to everyone. But if you don't get anything else, except knowing that if a person like me can make a better life happen, I am, I am nothing special. Like 
compared to anyone else, anyone can do it. You just have to believe you can do it. You have to not care about what anybody else says. You just got to find, we always teach people, find the master and follow the model. Find someone doing what you want to do. Find out how they did it and start following the strategic plan, right? You don't have to come up on your own. That's why I loved Cucko. It was the first place I ever went where people just said, here's a book, follow it exactly. Here's how you call people. Here's how you do a demo. I, it was one of the first times I didn't have to figure it out on my own. And it just worked. And it was so easy and nice to just be told, here's how to do it. So yeah, find the master, follow the model and believe you can do it because you can do it if you really want to do it. Mm, awesome. Awesome. Well, you, your story is a true testament to uh, all of that. And it's been great being able to get to know you guys a little bit more here today. So I'll tell you, as we look into the future, five, 10 years down the road, what are you guys most excited about? I can start it off. So what I'm most excited about is just the idea of continuing to find ways to bring our gifts to the world around us and becoming clearer and clearer on what our gifts are and how we can serve through those gifts. And to me, what I believe are our gifts are creating that best-in-class sales experience, earning clients for life, learning how to leverage that in a way that allows us to, instead of building a golden cage, as my mentor, Brendan Burchard, likes to say, instead of building a golden cage and then being locked inside of it, doing it in a way that provides us the freedom and the flexibility to live the lifestyle that we want to live, to do the work that we love doing most, and to have that work have a positive impact and affect positive change in not only our world, but also the world around us. And um, we look forward to scaling vast action in a way where we're able to double the size of our team and provide that many more livelihoods to our local community in a way that allows us to serve our clients by helping them serve their clients at an even higher level. So we're having that client-to-client ripple effect in the world. Continuing to help Cutco. uh, You know, I mean, Cutco for both of us. It is a company that I believe we will be dedicated and committed to for the rest of our lives simply because of the service that Cutco has provided to us and how being a part of the organization and being welcomed into it in a non-judgmental way and in a way that allows us to spread our wings and build our life and our business the way that we want to, you know, it's changed our lives. And so as long as we're invited to sit at the table to help Cutco continue to find ways to make the opportunity even better for salespeople, make the opportunity even better for managers, make you know, the experience even better for customers, We'll always take that invitation and sit at that table as long as we're welcome at it. But then also, how do we take that message and all the lessons we've learned through this and expand that out into the, the world beyond Cutco too? You know, Because there are so many people out there that I believe need help. Not because they're no good, but simply just because they don't know where to get it. And our company is the type of company that you know, we believe in teaching what we've learned. We believe in sharing our experience and we believe in lifting other people up. And so, you know, the next five to 10 years, I look forward to being in a place where we have multiple income streams that are passive, but that we're also engaged in a day-to-day basis in a business that we love and doing work that we love and teaching and training. And Amy and I, we experience our joy at the highest levels, being on stage, coaching, training, teaching, and being able to speak and share the gifts that we've discovered that we have. And so we're excited to continue to build our team and build our client base and build our business in a way that allows us to do that work and have that work translate into bringing in more clients and serving those clients at the highest level possible through the team, the amazing team that we have, the amazing people who help us do that work. And so ultimately, we want to help 
hundreds of entrepreneurs and then thousands of entrepreneurs provide the highest level of service, the best sales experience, and learn the process that it takes to translate that into consistent repeat sales. From the client base, the book of business that they've worked so hard and invested so much valuable resources into earning. And just because I've earned a client today doesn't mean I've earned the right to serve that client or have that client's loyalty. Doesn't mean I'm automatically entitled to their loyalty long term. We've learned very quickly that we have to earn that privilege and that there's ways to do that in today's world with technology and and quality communication. Great. Amy, you want to take it home? What are you most excited about? One thing I would add to that, I agree with all of that, of course. Um, One of my focuses is, you know, since small businesses are so important in America um, to the success of the country and the people, I, I really, that whole concept of people enjoying, like the culture, people enjoying where they work, being engaged at work. Like we spend so much of our lives working. I just really want part of what I'm planning to do in the future, which I've done a little of so far, I've transitioned out of college speaking and more into the business speaking because I want to help create that culture for other businesses so that employees of all different types of businesses really feel involved and engaged and happy at work and that kind of stuff. So I think people enjoy to work, you know, and people deserve to enjoy where they're working and what they're doing and that kind of stuff and, you know, get benefit from it. So besides just a paycheck. So that is also on the radar for us. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it's been great getting to know you both a little bit more and hearing more about both of your stories. Again, it's just so fascinating how two very different stories came together and have resulted in uh, this amazing life that uh, you both are building together. Again, Amy, I really loved all the things that you've written in your book and the things that you're sharing with the world. And Josh, you are a true legend in the Cutco sales business one of the all-time greats. So I very much appreciate having you both here. You talked about bringing your gifts to the world around us and you both are doing that in such an amazing way. And I'm just really appreciative of your time and being here with our audience today. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Dan. Thank you for all you do too, my friend. Amy and Josh Muller, everyone. Very awesome power couple of the Cutco universe. There's a lot of things referenced in there that we're going to put in the show notes. So if you want to find out how to do business with Vast Action, if you want to buy Amy's book, anything else that was referenced, you want to check out the show notes for sure. The importance of believing in your people. Just want to repeat that because that was one of the things that helped Josh wind up successful is that he had someone there that believed in him more than he did. And that is a concept that has been echoed many times in interviews on this podcast. And it's great when you have people around you who believe in you. Let's make sure we're doing that for others. The importance of learning and mastering your skills, mastering the things it takes to be good at what you do in your business. Josh worked very hard to become a master of his business. And that is why he has become one of the top selling Cutco reps of all time. Amy's concept that you are responsible for your success is so critical. And I love how she said in school, they thought, oh, she's not going to amount to much because her family didn't and her brother hasn't and this and that. But she had other plans for herself. She had other plans for herself than to follow in the path that other people thought she was going to go down. And she wanted to make sure that she created a new path for herself, a path to success. And she did exactly that. And then, of course, the idea of bringing our gifts to the world around us. And what are the gifts that you have? 
What are the unique traits, attributes, qualities that you have that you can offer to others and bring to other people? And finding a vehicle to make sure that you are doing that, that's one of the things that will create the most success and fulfillment in your life. Thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.